We're back. <laughs> Finally. It's been a minute. Bed forever. We're actually in person. This is like our first one in person, which will be really cool. I kind of want to, we should paint the picture though of like our scenery right now. <laughs> I'm like sitting in this rocking chair over the bunk beds. And then. I'm in the bottom bunk. And here we are doing a podcast. <laughs> so today we want to talk about, I think it's really important that we talk about community and all of the avenues that bleed into it. Because this has been a huge theme, not only for like the collective, but individual and in our own experiences. And I think something that was important is talking about how astrology bleeds into community, how a community is associated with the 11th house, but what comes before the 11th, the 7th, and what comes before the 7th, the 4th, what becomes before the 4th, the 1st. So understanding that to get to community is a development and we all rush to community and that's why it crumbles, I feel like, because we're mm. not developing all these other pieces like you first got to learn how to do one-on-one relationships you first got to learn how to do intimate family relationships you first got to learn who you are before you throw yourself into community because then there's a sense of getting lost or not even knowing your own values your own discipline and so it goes to what we were talking about with like guests how to be a good guest and how to be a good host and i feel like community that dynamic plays out but you're being both host and guest and because what do you think makes like healthy dynamics within community? Mm. I think with um, healthy dynamics within community, I think first off, it has to be made clear that a healthy community does not mean perfection. Mm. Um, because I think people think there's a, an ideal experience of community. Um, and maybe ideal is not the right word, but this perfect, harmonious experience of community. And that's just simply not the case. Um, relationships are hard and you add multiple individuals and it's going to be difficult. And I do love that bringing in the first house, fourth house, like remembering the order of things. You come first, your work, your personal experience of yourself must be maybe not fully developed, but there has to be a level of awareness of how you are in relationship with others and how you just are as a person, knowing your own triggers, knowing when to walk away. You know, Cole was talking this morning about like certain types of chewing (laughs) gets to him. Um, Yeah, like knowing your own triggers, I think could be so helpful in that. So first off that, I mean, there's no perfect community your self-awareness will really determine your experience of others and how others experience you. Mm-hmm. And I think third is probably going into it intentionally. There's a level of intention. I've experienced community where like everybody went in on it and had the same mindsets towards it. And I've also experienced community where everybody came from different experiences and perceptions and, um, I would say like it's so different when everybody's in on it and there's like a level of agreement as to what we're doing here together. Mm. Like a collective intention, not just an individual because I've experienced both. Mm -hmm. And the collective intention makes a big difference. Like in what way? Like if we, like for instance, in the last community house that I lived, there was 19 of us in an eight-bedroom home, but we were all there with the same... um, intention of like wanting to experience that type of living and committed to that journey like there was just a level of commitment like we're all going to do this and everybody had different perspectives 
um, yeah, I think that, that, that was really different because we all went in knowing that there's potentially going to be challenges, but we're here to learn. Mm-hmm. There was a level of openness. I think it's interesting because we talked about like polyamory mm-hmm. and those relationships. And I feel like in my eyes, I feel like it's almost trying to fuel the absence of community. Because it's like you're trying to build a community mm. through your intimate relationships of like, I lack here, so this person can make it up here. But I think it's still viewing like, what even is community, right? Because we were talking about, right, you've lived in these really intimate spaces where you have people sharing the same laundry, the kitchen, rooms even. And then you have communities that are literally international, right? And like you have like these virtual collectives or you have all these things. So I think what is, what do people want in community? What is it that they're craving from community? I think belonging. I think people long to belong to something. I think we're wired that way. I think it's what we're needed. That's why tribes have been a thing. We desire to be in group. In, And I think that's a beautiful thing. And it also can become a hindrance because in our belonging, we can compromise our individuality. Mm. And I see that quite often where people, like you were mentioning, getting lost. And I think that happens when you don't belong to yourself first. Like, can you be okay with belonging to you? Can you be okay with rejection? Can you be okay with not fitting in? First and foremost, because if you long to fit in and that's why you're a part of a community, because there's a sense of like, oh, I, I'm not other. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a big thing. I think people feel like they're want, they want to get rid of their otherness. And that's interesting with shadow work because ultimately shadow work is helping you to embrace your otherness. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think of like, you remember, do you know Erica? Mm-hmm. Erica, and she won't mind me sharing this, but Erica, she grew up in like a religious cult, right? Mm. And then she sees a lot of those people now falling into either like Christianity or these other spiritual cults. And again, it all bleeds back to that thing of like, people like to have a script to follow. Mm. It's easier, you know, to be like, this is right and wrong versus being in that gray of like, well, what do you think? Yes. And that's really difficult because it's easy to go, no, this is what we think, you know, and it's crazy. I was reading that book, Cultish, which is all about language is the first in to cults. And I know community and cults, you can't really talk about one without the other, you know, because they go hand in hand. And language was the first way of terminology of like asking yourself, because that was the one thing is one of the women, she woke up one day and she realized she's not even the one speaking anymore. She's like, I these aren't my words. These are someone else's. So like looking at your words, your diction and like, are you speaking from you, your essence? Or are you speaking from like this, I would say indoctrination. And we see that within even religion, you know, like, oh, like God be with you or, you know, all these things, even in the work I do, like, oh, what's your medicine? What's your shadow? Like those have terminologies to specific sex. And I think it's beautiful because it adds a sense of belonging but also creates the other, right? Because if I start saying, what's your medicine to someone who doesn't even know what that is, they're going to be like, I don't know what that means. And then it makes the other versus me. And so that sense of hierarchy as well of like, oh, well, I know this word and you don't. And that sense of importance. So even within community, it makes us belong and also feel special. Mm. But then it can do the flip, right? Of make us feel like we're ostracized and indifferent, belittled. It's so interesting to think of how language can be the the, the means of separation, mm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Like, 
how language can be inclusive or exclusive Mm -hmm. and the way you communicate. I think that's why I've always really respected leaders who speak in a way that is simple. I think when people get lofty in their way of speaking and don't show their... I don't know what what it is about us that like we belittle simplicity and we think that's ineffective. But in reality, I feel like that is so telling of one's character and one's awareness to see the beauty and simplicity, to be able to explain yourself simply, because I don't think you really know something until you can share it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um And I mean, I find it really hard myself being around people like that. When I worked with attorneys and judges and I worked in this arbitration office, I was very intimidated um, because I thought like these are super educated people. I didn't even go to college. Like it was very intimidating. And I loved like there was one judge in particular who always spoke so down to earth and there's like a welcoming in the way that he spoke. And then there was this one attorney who would purposely speak with words that like, just to show off his fucking vocabulary. And I'm like, you are literally in speaking that way, creating these walls, these barriers of I am better than like what you're saying. That's just so, I've never seen it that way, but that's really wild well, to think I, that. Like you said, with the simple piece of like, are you able, because I feel like if you're able to explain your message simply, it means you actually understand it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it's, we, they have like those things on YouTube, you know, of like a scientist explains black holes to like a child and then they speak with the expert. And if you watch the language difference, like it's the same concept, just different terminology, different language. And that goes back to that community space of like, what are you holding your community within, within the language of like, is your message simple of what you share? Or is it this huge complex? And it's like one in the same, but are you stuck in one? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, is it too simple where you don't even know what you're doing or is it too complex? Where you don't even know what you're doing, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder within community, um, kind of getting back to that longing of of belonging. And why is it that some have such a hard time actually embracing belonging of self? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with maybe just not even being aware that they don't belong to themselves. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is like, it goes to identity. I feel like people want to be fixed in their identity. Like they will find a community and that's going to solve it. And that's the missing link to it. They want somebody to tell them who they are. Right. And they want to be like saved of like, oh, that's the word. You know, like within sales, that's one of the biggest things of like, if you can explain the client's problem better than them, Mm. they're hooked. And I think it goes the same to community. If you can share a message better than they, if you can articulate what they want better than they know, you have them hooked. Wow. That just like blew my mind. That is so what we're seeing right now Mm -hmm. because there's such a longing for community. I think after experiencing so much isolation after, you know, COVID and all this and people being quarantined and being separated, this has been thrown out there like I see that word community so much and it's like that is the sales pitch reeling people in Mm -hmm. and we're seeing now so many coaches be exposed because they've been manipulating people Mm -hmm. by using that term right literally like they're literally that's why it's so important to look at like what is the mission 
of the person, the individual. Because that's the thing too is like, we always, you always bring it up as like hierarchy and community and structure and community. And it's difficult, I feel like, because there's no simple way of saying there needs to be no structure versus there needs to be structure. It's like, what is the... I think, again, it's seeing people in their humanness and in other roles. Absolutely. Because we talked even about that, of like seeing people who like are really high in the community, but then can they also go back to the ground level and be in that space of like... Again, it's going to look different in whatever community, but I just think back to like, it's so hard because community for long periods of time become in a sense cult and i think we made cult a bad word well i think you have to avoid cult by that by that very thing that you were just addressing the the problem becomes when a leader i believe at least when a leader stays in a position in a certain role for too long I think it starts getting to us for any any one of us. It's too much when um, in the book Robert Johnson Inner Gold he talks about this very concept of how we like not only do we project our shadows but we project our gold, right? So like when I'm not willing to hold my potential, I will idealize it in somebody who can, mm. and then I'll wow. be like, wow, this person is all the things. And Krishna Murti, I think that's how you say it, Krishna Murti or something like that, uh, who was like some guru here in California and Ohio. He was aware of this concept and Robert Johnson went to go visit him one day and he was walking and this woman came and like gave him an offering and like walked off and Krishna's like, oh, I'm God to her. I carry her gold for her, but you know, um, and he was like aware I am this person to you, but only for a time. I will only be in this role for you for so long. Hmm. And I think there's something really powerful about that idea of like, having oh i love that like almost letting people carry your goal for you until you're able to carry it yourself Mm -hmm. i even had an experience with that with a friend i was very aware that i was carrying her gold and i one time said to her um i had to tell her i'm like you know you're projecting to me to be this great thing Mm -hmm. and i'm not i'm human but i'll carry your gold for you for a time until you're ready to carry it yourself and i'll be there to remind you that it was yours all along. Wow. It was never me. You know what I mean? And so I think there's a, a need for that practice in communities with leaders to remind, even them, you remind yourself the gold you're carrying, babe, ain't yours. Mm-hmm. These are the people's projections making you feel lofty or whatever. And yeah, I, I think, and people being aware of that. So with that woman with Krishna, like she went into the offering And he was like, she's aware that I'm aware and we kind of have this deal together. Like, I can play that part for you for a time and um, eventually I will have to give it back to her. Well, and I think that's what really, like you just said, makes the separation between communities and cult. Yeah. Because in the cult, I feel like they know that and they use that and they thrive off of it and it like becomes this craving. While within that community piece, I just love that of like being the example that someone needs to see within themselves. And then once it's developed, also giving that freedom of like, okay, now it's time for you to go explore further. Yes. That goes back to what I was saying within the identity piece of like, it's malleable. It's always changing. And when you get stuck within, this is my role, this is what I do, this is what I believe, these are my values, like your values are kind of a shift. And if they're not, you got to ask yourself, why are they not? Yeah, I think when the role, one of my teachers used to say that, and I have shared with you, with within the church he used to say the problem with the church is when the church becomes more important 
the, the organization becomes more important than the people that it's there to serve. And the vision becomes greater than the relationships. The whole point of the vision is the relationships. If you can't sustain the relationships, but you're constantly upholding the vision, what's the point? Right. So the relational component of, yes, like, can you almost like at a time, you know, if you need to walk away from the vision to get back to like learning how to do this part, mm-hmm. right, of connection, that always has to take precedence. And it becomes a cult when the leader says, no, the vision is more important than anything else. And all of you are here to support the vision, the vision. Meanwhile, people are in disarray. Right. Um, I think the other thing with uh, that Robert Johnson speaks of with that inner gold is like when a person like almost like holds your gold against you, mm. starts using it to manipulate you of like, yeah, like almost like I have this for you i need to hold it for you because you're not ready Mm. and that could easily slip with shadow work honestly Mm -hmm. um i saw myself experience that you know i i came to i had a moment of realization where I, i was like i'm so focused on my shadow that i've withheld my gold from myself Mm. and i'm not letting myself embrace these higher selves um and that's that whole victimizing component too where we withhold ourselves our greatness because honestly it's a lot easier to let someone else carry it for you well yeah because then it's always outside right it's always mm-hmm. it will come eventually and we see that within people that are trying to start their own businesses when people are trying to start families it's always next year you know it's always like pushing it off and it goes back to the space of this too of the gold of are you able to obtain your own gold and it's interesting too because it gets tricky when you add spirituality because when it's just community and it's just like, you know, we're taking care of each other, we're doing mundane tasks, we have the farmers, we have the people who do the water, the people who do the cooking, the building, like, that's very human-based and you can do it. When you add spirituality, that's why I feel like it's really within community is you can lie and people don't know. Like, mm. you can be deceitful with it. You can be like, oh, well, I see this within the spirits are saying this or, you know, ancestors are doing this or dreams are doing this or whatever it is. And it's everyone's individual experiences. And that's when it's like, you have to learn to trust the person. So it really boils down to how do you know if you can trust someone? Look at the character of it. Mm. And that's when you have to be discernful of like, okay, what does their character say? Do they uphold these things? We always talk about integrity, right? And like your definition of it was consistency. And it's like, okay, are they consistent in these acts? Like my thing of integrity is like, do they, I guess it's the same way of, do you show up the same in spaces? Like how I talk to you is going to be the same how I talk to someone I meet today versus the restaurant versus the server, all of these. And it's that ability to be transparent too, I guess. And Mm -hmm. we hear these words a lot, right? Like transparency, integrity, and we begin to use them, but we don't understand the substance behind it. And I think that's the problem is these communities, these leaders use these desirable words, this language. And we're like, yes, we want a community of integrity, of bluntness, of upfront, of transparent, of spiritual and all these things. But it's like, have you even sat, again, first house, have you sat with what those mean to you? And then have you moved into the fourth, we made a sense of permanency, a foundation below you into seventh, seeing it one-on-one into the 11th of, okay, now there's a community that shares it. And I think that's why people are so scared to be stripped from community because they almost view it as like a de-evolution. But really Mm. it's not. It's like a sense of like going back to one-on-one, like you said, connection, 
and being like, okay, can you feel intimate and one-on-one? I also think it goes back to like, maybe it's even our culture of wanting to have 50 friends versus two close friends, you know, of like... Yes, the more is better. Right, like the fragmenting of self. But we even talked about this on like the drive back of being in that space of like, when you have so many people, you add more opinions, you add more stories, you add more emotions, you add more, more, more. And you lose yourself in playing mediator or like weaver of communication between people and friends. And you're like, what even, what even am I fucking trying to say here? Am I just trying to interpret everyone's message? And it's like, no. So then seventh house is stripped from you. And then you move back to the fourth of what are you standing on? And you really don't know what the fuck you're standing on. So then you move back to the first and you're alone again. Mm-hmm. And so it's a constant de-evolution, evolution. And it's never really one or the other. It's a movement. Yeah. Yeah, it's not sustainable. No. It's not sustainable. And not only, you know, we have to think about the world that we live in where we have so much access. We're communicating with or being witnessed even by thousands of individuals at a time, hundreds, whatever. People, you know, um, listening to that conversation that we watched the other day and uh, Debbie Brown, she was mentioning how like, there's all these people that are involved in my life that aren't really involved in my life, but yet because of social media, they have access to my life and can shoot their opinions about my life. Like, why are we giving so many people access to have a say in our lives that we don't even know? That's crazy yeah. and so unhealthy. And so I think, yeah, I think there's something to that that bigger is better. Like, can you do... Can you be okay? And I've, I've even had experiences myself because I lived in community. I dedicated most of my, you know, life to living in community at this point. And when I was outside of it, I felt so like lonely and fragmented and all these things that came up. Um, and it was really hard leaving community. But I had to learn to be okay And realize like, oh, it's not that I lost community. It's that I'm experiencing it on a smaller scale, more intimately. And it's so much more profound. Mm -hmm. To be honest, the depth of that my relationships are able to go because now I don't have 19 people that I'm living with. Um, Yeah, although I would say living with people. So different. So different. And that we can kind of touch on hospitality and all that with this because... I used to say all the time to people, if you want to know somebody, like if you want to know the, the, the truth of someone's spirituality, go live with them for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you will see the substance of what they believe in. Because so many of us can do this stuff for a time. We can go to our events, our retreats and have these profound experiences or we can go to church or whatever it is, your temple, whatever. And we can pray and we can perform But when you live with someone and you're seeing how they handle just the day-to-day, like... um, Like prime example, your car. My car situation, like my car broke down. Well, we thought it was broken down, but then it wasn't. (laughs) It's a whole whole other story. But like being able to, in that moment, I was like, oh, well, if we're going to have to sell the car or leave it here, Mm -hmm. I'm willing to do that. Let's just keep going. And yeah, I think... Those little moments are so telling of what you really believe in. Because if you were freaking out in that moment, so what is it that you really believe? Mm -hmm. 
what are you really about? Um, right, because if you say you surrender to spirit and trust spirit, but then the second your fucking car breaks down and it's you're like this frantic hot mess and you don't know what to do with yourself, it's like, where did that teaching go? You know, where did... It's not in you, it's out of you, and you just think it's pretty, so you repeat what you see. Like, the practice is in your day-to-day. Right. And we think the practice is only when we're in our churches or whatever, our, our these spaces. Mm-hmm. And that tells me... That again, that goes back to that you want to belong. So you're able to sustain your performance for so long in front of the community. But when it comes to you being one on one, you have no idea how to do individual relationship, not just with another, but with spirit. Right. Like, are you actually in relationship with spirit? That awareness or like simple things. Um, For instance, walking down the street and you see trash and you don't pick it up, but then you pray to Mother Earth. But like you can't do the simple things of integrity. Right. Of, you can do like the 11th house performance. You can't do the first. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All of that self piece. It just, yeah. Even 8th house. Because the 8th house is that hidden hmm. part, right? Like that yeah. component of of intimacy and, yeah, like behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And who are you behind closed doors? Um, because I think... You know, there's, um, well, I'm thinking like why we do that with a group and how it's so much easier to perform and be in that space. Like the nitty gritty really is taking place in, in your day to day. And speaking of hospitality, being a guest, how you are a guest Mm. in someone's home tells me so much about you because ultimately it's a matter of awareness, right? Really is. Like, do you know how much space you take? Do you know how to clean up after yourself? I remember when we lived in community, I've told you that story. Like I was pregnant. I was like eight months pregnant and we were having guests and I was sweeping and there was one of the guys sitting on the couch and I was like, do you think that you could help me? And he was like, actually, I really feel like spirit wants me to be in prayer right now. And I was just like, how fucking convenient that right now you're going to have to go. (laughs) But I see that so much in spiritual communities where people like it over spiritualize life to get away from actually being involved in life Mm, as an escapism as a means to not have to do the real work of being human they're avoiding their humanness literally you're avoiding like there's a there's a myth behind it i remember reading it i think it's um hercules he can he's tempted by like this like um like beautiful woman he can either have the easy life full of pleasure and everything comes easy or he can step into the other pillar it's like the two pillars and you can step into the other pillar of responsibility and the pleasure that comes from responsibility Mm. and he chose that one and that's like showing like that's the good way of like are you able to have discipline and pleasure versus just being completely pleasure-based i love that the pleasure i just love that wow the pleasure of responsibility Cause think about it, like mm. my life, and I can in my own experience, my life feels like shit and chaos, and I have no structure. I'm waking up whenever I want, I work out whenever I want, I eat whenever I want, and it's like the extreme of freedom, right? And then there's no structure at all, and then you feel like shit. Versus if you have a routine, you wake up every day at a certain time, you work out, you eat in certain ways, like these small habitual patterns. But we live in a world of complete, like complete convenience, and then reflecting that into community. And we expect that from community. We Ooh, expect yeah. them to be in a space of constantly giving or what can I gain from you? 
right? Like this man being like, mm, no, Spirit wants me to pray right now. When really it's like, no, what can you give back? Everyone wants to be in community, but no one wants to show up in it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's that showing up piece and people view it as sacrifice or whatever word you want to use. But again, it's the awareness of what do you bring to the table, not just what they bring. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's a component, of, I mean, ultimately it comes back to service mm-hmm. and being this is the thing. You have to be so aware of yourself and know when you're showing up. And it's okay to not show up. I'm not saying that you have to fucking show up all the time right. and be present to give and sacrifice all the time because that's also unhealthy because then you become resentful towards your community because you're always showing up for your community mm. and always giving. Right. So that's another conversation. But like knowing yourself well enough to say, I'm not in a place right now. I need to be receptive and I need to be receiving for my community because that's a whole thing too, Um, which I experienced. I was in a state of always giving to my community and I grew very, very resentful. But I also, looking back, was like, oh, you never let yourself be supported. Did you ask for help, Mel? Did you know how to ask for help? Did you know how to communicate to people? This is what I need. This is what I need for you to do. This is what I need you to do. I was pregnant in a house with 18 people teaching two to three times a week and, you know, literally mothering people and having an open door policy where people in my space all the time and had no idea how to have healthy boundaries. That's another component of uh, healthy community is boundaries and being able to honor yourself and what you're in need of and being aware of that um, so that you don't project onto the people around you. Mm-hmm. Brenny Brown talks about expectations mm. in the Atlas of the Heart. And it's so good how she articulates it because she's like, there's there's different types of expectations, but it goes back to what you're talking about. And the reason it does is because we can have expectation of how someone's supposed to show up, right? Like if in community, for example, there is an expectation that they could come to you whenever they wanted. Yeah. And whether that was communicated or not, it was an expectation. And that's what I'm And I see that even within like, my work and what I see, there's expectation of like, oh, well, you should just take that on or you want more responsibility. I expect you to do this. And it's like, then communicate that expectation. Don't just sit here and be like, oh, okay. And also like reasonable expectations. Brittany Brown talks about it of like, she was like packing for a trip to go to Disney World and she was packing three books and she's like, oh, I just can't wait to like sit back and like read. And her husband was like, okay, let's check that expectation. Does that seem reasonable? And she's like, you're right. I'm going to Disney World for a week with five kids there's no way in hell I'm gonna have time to read right (laughs) but it's checking expectations with community what are you expecting and if it's not being met are you communicating it yeah because that that's what I hate the most is it's like you go into isolation and then no one reaches out to you and then you get more pissed that no one's reaching out to you and it's like well we're so like it's a two-way and that's what I'm saying you can't do community if you can't do one-on-one and if you can't do one-on-one then you need to go to one yeah, and, start there, start there. Right. And I think there's a level of being adaptable. That's the word that was coming up as you were saying, that adaptability of like, even within your expectations. So say you had that expectation. For instance, I took two books this weekend to Joshua Chi. I didn't pick them up, maybe one time for like five <laughs> minutes. But like I didn't, but being able to be like, okay. And like not attached to them mm-hmm. and being able to change them. Like, okay, so then you shift them and being able to be adaptable is so needed in community. I think the other component, like, honestly, I used to say to people, too, like, the best form of discipleship, which is, like, 
within Christianity is this idea of like student teacher, like mentorship is like to have that community experience because, um, you learn basics of, of relationship. You learn the basics of, of service. You learn the basics of, of basically your own values. Mm -hmm. That's where you learn your values is in relationship. It has to be modeled to you. And, that openness of like, hey, not every, not one of us has this whole thing figured out. That's also why we need community because that's just the truth. And if we think that we have it all figured out, you'll fucking learn real quick in community. You don't, mm -hmm. you know, because there you're confronted with these mirrors um, of what's going on with you. I love that idea of expectations. I see that so much in myself. I don't think that I was aware of my own expectations. I had to lose everything. Mm. And then I looked back and I was like, oh, mind you, spirit's gr so gracious. And like, even in the midst of my own humanness and my own ego shit, like I built some incredible relationships. Mm. And that's amazing. Like beyond all that, I think there's something that we need to realize that not every relationship is forever. Mm. And that's okay too. Yeah. Um, there's a season that people will be in our lives for. And being able to let everybody live their journey out, but still be present to one another so that, how am I trying to say it? Like if I didn't talk to you for six months and we ran into each other because life just got busy, and it could still be good and I wouldn't be offended at the fact that your life went in a different direction and my life went in a different direction. I think there's a level of like needing to respect the journey of another. Well, and that ties back to like, I just think of like the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> I always think of the wheel and like first house, second house, third house, fourth house. So like first house, again, the development of self. What am I here to do? And like thinking about when I'm on relationships, even intimate relationships, the second house is on what? The physical do you like the way they live in the physical? Do you find them physically attractive, right? All of those things. Third house, their communication. Do they communicate correctly? People don't want to go through these basic steps. They want to jump straight to the intimate. They want to jump to the eighth house like that. And they want the depth. They want the... And it's like, no, you have to... There's a, there's a process. There's a series of a relationship's building and development. You know, and like, it's the desperation almost of community of like, I want to belong. And people feel that. And it's like, no, you're being desperate for community. You're being desperate for belonging. And it's like, what do you, why would we want you to belong? Like a community speaking, like, why would we want you in the space if it's pure desperation? Like, what are you bringing to the space? But if you don't know what you bring to the space, how the hell am I going to see that? Right? Mm -hmm. So it's that worth piece of like understanding your worth. And it's really good because the book you have, Belonging, you were talking about like how it's so important to take breaks within community within friendships and that goes back to that span of what you're talking about and even like intimate relationships of being like the separation because a separation leads for a longing and that longing leads to a belonging right and so that whole correlation and even with community it's like we have this weird i don't know what it is about us we want permanency we want security we want structure we want consistency even but then we have to understand the flip of that and how that's just as needed to fuel because if you remove inconsistency, mm. then you don't know what consistency is. And so vice versa. So it's interesting. Like having 
yeah, I'm thinking about one-on-one. Like if I was always 100% around my husband all the time, the need for that separation so that we could miss each other. Like that, maybe that's something, right? We don't know how to be with our longing. We don't know how to be okay with like wow, wanting, mm-hmm. craving, that feeling in us, that desire. We don't know how to be with our desires. We immediately want it met. Mm. Wow, that's true. And that's so unhealthy because that's where I think a lot of addictions, escapism, like where you settle. Because you're trying to immediately meet that desire, right? Like if I'm really craving a honey almond milk latte and I am like somebody says, well, I have an almond milk latte, but if I want it badly enough, I may just settle. But if I can be with it and wait a little longer so that I actually get the thing that I want, how much more rewarding is that? I mean, just like on a deeper level, obviously, but like that idea of like, we don't, yeah, there's something to that. We don't know how to be with our longing. We don't know how to be with our cravings. No, I think about, think about two instances and it's always been when I've traveled and lived somewhere new. One when I lived in Italy and then one when I went to San Diego for college. And both times when I started, I immediately wanted these intimate, deep relationships. I wanted a best friend. I wanted to, you know, but that didn't come. It's like you said, we don't know how to sit with longing. Like I, you don't view it as a longing. You view it as an absence. And it's like, yes. this needs to be fixed, right? Of like, I need a friend. I need to belong. Wow. And it's like, but it's within that phase of like development. We like make it, we, we induce our suffering. Like we don't allow it to be beautiful because we're like, this is a bad thing that it's gone. And it's like, no, can you literally learn to sit with yourself? Like observe yourself. And it's funny. We want to jump to the eighth house, but, but that is very eighth house, the pain, the sense of being alone. And we glamorize it. Cause I think also about San Diego and I did settle and it's the exact space of like, I want a best friend, but I don't have the ideal version of what I want. So I'm going to settle for this one version where it's just trauma looping. So it was like, you still feel empty, but you have made this illusion and told yourself that this is happening. Same thing with community, right? You're like, oh, I want this perfect version or this community. You jump into a community, but it's not what you want, but you have all the labels, all the words for it, but none of the qualities behind that, right? You have just the one layer, not the second layer. And ultimately, there's a need for you to be true to that longing. Mm -hmm. I think if you're not true to the longing, you lose yourself. Um, I taught a class like many years ago when I used to teach Bible. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, it is God desiring and willing through you. And that was so huge for me because I realized like, oh, my desires aren't bad because I was taught for so long that they were bad. But the idea that this is spirit at work in me and that my longings are actually here to teach me something about myself. Like for us that love to learn. Well, why would we love to learn? Because we are meant to be teachers, Mm. right? So the longing is directing us and guiding us to the very thing that we want. But if we settle, we will never get to the thing we actually want. Mm -hmm. So there's a need for people to sit with the longing and ask it what it's trying to reveal. And this really is amazing because I'm like understanding the Mars Mars component of the chart and how important it is for people to sit with that aspect of self to become aware of the thing that place of where you may feel the absence Hmm. yeah Yeah. wow I didn't even think of that Mars being the 
place of the absence or not even the absence, the illusion that there's something missing yeah. that needs to be obtained. Where we project. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's what Laura spoke about. She's like, Mars, you're supposed to burn through your Martian desires. Like she's like, you're not supposed to avoid them, like burn through your Martian desires. Like there has to be a need. There's a there's a desire that needs to be met there. Because mm-hmm. once you burn through all your desires, it then leads to that Neptunian influence of complete merging belonging because you no longer want to be separate you already have the house you already have the money you already have the family you already have the perfect relationships you already have the meaningful love you already have the spiritual community you already have the connection so it's like what more to obtain Mm -hmm. what more to become different within now it's the flip of merging so that's interesting people aren't willing to address their desires that separate them but they still want to merge with community Mm -hmm. and so it's this weird paradox it's going to instigate it's going to irritate that wound out of you when you're in that space yeah or suppress it or suppress it and you fall into what you said you know ultimately it's illusion you've like almost hidden your desire from your own perspective like from your view and you're no longer aware of it um because again it's been falsely met right if i wanted the honey almond milk latte but i got the almond milk latte in a sense i'm like oh i got a latte you know and that's the idea of like compromising and and to some extent all community will require some level of compromise but there are certain things that cannot be compromised and that's where only you know you and nobody can tell us and that's the other aspect of community nobody can tell us on an individual level, what community is right for you, what uh, what is healthy in a relationship for you. They, that's when the, the right and wrongs are not something that can be taught. Good and bads cannot be taught. It's on an individual level and ultimately, yeah, it's like I, 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 sh- I had a conversation with a friend about this recently and I was saying to them, you know, I can only tell you what is right and wrong for me because I know my values. And I can teach you from that space, but ultimately, if you do not know your values, you're taking all these other right and wrongs from the people around you. Um, and you can do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you need to be aware of it. Like, it's like trying on different shoes for size, you know, like mm-hmm. trying on the shoes. Try on a value and see if that fits. Does that resonate with you? Um I think that's an important process of learning relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very Martian too, you know, of like, what makes you, you? What are you willing to stand for? What are you also willing to destroy? Mm. You know, of what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up to uphold that value? Because you can't say you, you value gratitude, but then you're constantly whining about you don't have enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like something has to give and then it evolving. It's interesting. There's just... There's so many components to it. Like, I think it's interesting. People will jump into relationships or communities or marriage and stuff. And they haven't even like lived together or experience. Like it's only been a couple months. And it's like, no, these are things that take time, that take quality. And we don't want to wait for time. We want time to work on our time, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, that's not the process. Hence the desire, hence the longing. It's like, okay. Can you sit with that longing? What is it actually trying to show you within the shadow and also the higher self, within the gold and also within the shadow, you know? What's trying to be showed or shown here? I'm trying to think. There's just so much. I love the 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 um the conversation of of longing, to be honest. 
I feel like it was just a couple years ago when I like had just got out of my depression. I had read this book called The Book of Longings by Sue Monkhead, which is brilliant. It's like a fictional story about Christ and Magdalene. And it's all about how these two beings, mind you, in the story, Christ doesn't know he's Christ. And Magdalene doesn't know she's Magdalene. But it's their longings that they follow. And it's like almost like detaching the knowing the certainty that we project onto Christ was really like mind-blowing for me like what if this was just a person who felt like they weren't okay with the religious systems of their day who fought against them and then ended up being crucified there was nothing special like she kind of stripped the specialness that we project onto the story and wrote it from a very human perspective And it was amazing how like that whole concept of pursuing the longing as almost innate to your blueprint will always lead you to what is the purpose. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking about that book. That was like a big concept for me that in that year was like honoring my longing, my desire and trying to be with it so that I could figure out what it is that I'm really wanting where's your mars at fourth house virgo Mm. it's interesting when i think of mars fourth house because i'm just thinking about my own longing my mars is in 11th house aquarius um this desire i mean that's hard i think mars virgo because there's there is the right and wrong Mm -hmm. with virgo yeah, a level of like wanting something that is true and pure. Mm-hmm. A desire for some sort of structure, for sure. Well, what do you think you're longing for right now? Right now? Hmm. Yeah. I feel like in a way I'm with my longing. Like, I doesn't feel like in the past... It was very much driven by some sort of communal experience to do something with others. That's so very 11th house mm-hmm. of me, of wanting to build. I've always, What I had longed for for a long part of my life, for a big portion of my life, was to build something with others that was of service. And I have. I've done it over and over again. And yet, I wasn't satisfied. Um, maybe in the moment to an extent, but there was always like, there's, you know, that's the thing about longing is that there's always more. And so being in the simplicity and being content and at the same time, still honoring the longing, that's the hard space. Mm. Yeah. Because the longing doesn't go away. Even when you get the thing that you wanted. That's kind of what I love about longing is it doesn't keep you stagnant. Yeah. And that's very Mars too with the fire, you know, the movement, like it keeps you going. So like you can have, that's what I'm saying. Like we, we create these false images of a world without longing, without Mars. Mm -hmm. And it's not ever going to happen. You know, like when you have the money, when you have the family, when you have whatever, life will be perfect. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, if that was the case, then like, why would you stick around? I feel like longing is literally the fire to life. It's what keeps us hope even, you know, it's very Martian, I feel like. It is very Martian, and I've never thought about it that way. I think right now I, I still desire that. 
I think there is still a longing. I think there's always going to be a longing for me to want to work with others, to build things, to create things. Collaboration is very much my Mars in the 11th house, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like I meet in, in various ways. And I'm learning to be um, content in the ways that I can experience that without it being on this grand scale that I once did it in, in my younger years, you know. I spent like the first three years of my spiritual journey, like traveling the country with a group and collaborating and bringing what I thought at that time was truth. And now I'm like, oh, here, I'm collaborating with you right now to create this podcast. And in that sense, I'm honoring my longing. Um, Yeah, there's something to that, being able to be with that longing in the small spaces, because then we don't, we won't project it onto the community to meet that need. Boom. Yeah, that's beautiful. That was a good talk. That was good. All right. All right. (laughs) Till next time.